0: Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Each week we come together, uh, have conversations about ministry, missions, theology, with the hope that it would be edifying to you, build up your faith, but also maybe provoke you to consider Living Faith Bible Institute for yourself. And as always, we wanna ask you and invite you uh, to come and check out lfbi.org, see our vision for our school, our program of study. We do believe that it is a great answer, a great solution for local church members getting the training that they need while continuing to minister within their local body. And so we wanna ask that you would check that out and uh, see what we have to offer you. Now, with that said, in today's episode, we have one of our professors from LFBI, Pastor Greg Axe of Crest Bible Church. He's the professor of church history. And uh, if you're hearing this episode, you've caught us right smack dab in the middle of a series on the Crusades. And in fact, a part of a larger series that we've been doing over the last two years on church history as a whole. And so, uh, as always, we wanna invite you to visit the YouTube channel uh, where we have a playlist of all of the past episodes on church history. You can check that out and see that there. But today, we're gonna be talking about the Crusades specifically. Last time we were together, we introduced the First Crusade and the world in which the Crusades kind of manifest from, where it evolved from, and, and what did the world look like? What did Europe look like? What did the Catholic Church look like uh, that created and cultivated a ground in which the Crusades could be bred from. And so we're going to continue talking about the Crusades today. And with that, I want to welcome Pastor
1: Greg Axe. Good to be here as always, sir.
0: Thanks for being with us, man. Yeah. It's it's fun. And this conversation so far has been really good, Yeah, really insightful. And, and as I yeah. said in the last episode, it's a complex topic. Very much. There's a lot of things going on, yeah. a lot of moving pieces. It's hard yeah. to keep track of,
1: and so we appreciate uh, you helping us simplify and, and make sense of it. Sometimes that which is complex, we can simplify by going back to the principles of the Bible and mm-hmm. just looking at it through that lens. And when you do, uh, then you can see it a little bit better and st- you get lost in the weeds sometimes with these things. Yeah, absolutely. And to pull back from it and go, okay, from a 40,000-foot from a vantage point, from a biblical perspective, what's going on during this time? It becomes a little easier to at least get your head wrapped around some of the big, some of the major things. Well, we really appreciate the fact
0: that, that you help
1: us and remind
0: us yeah. how to do that. Now, with that, we should probably begin just by reviewing a little bit yeah. of what was going on during the first crusade. Who were the major players? Uh, what were the objectives? How did that go? Can you remind us a little bit of how that went?
1: There was a, um, a fervor whipped up among the people because the Muslims had taken over Palestine in 638 um, AD. The for 400 or so years, Christians or Catholics from Europe were able to go to um, the Holy Land and visit and things of that nature. Yeah, the pilgrimages it got out of hand. With the pilgrims starting to steal everything that they could get their hands on because they thought it was some, some, somehow some sort of relic of the church that would gain them eternal life or get them riches or mm-hmm. both. Uh, and after a while, that was like, you know, enough is enough. Yep. And the Muslims shut down the pilgrimages, which incited everybody to, to fervor. Mm-hmm. Um, Pope, Europe, Pope Urban II, Uh, At the Council of Claremont, 1095, gets his rousing speech, God wills it, God wills it, let's go to Palestine and let's conquer it in -hmm. the name of of Jesus or in the name of our God, and in doing so, whipped up the fervor of the, of the populace who was ignorant and had been held in the feudal bondage for years and years and generations mm-hmm. who knew absolutely nothing. And now they've whipped up this fervor and they got them going over to Palestine to try to uh, conquer this thing. Totally unequipped, not a military force, just men and women from, mostly men from all, all, over, all over Europe on foot walking over to Jerusalem, trying to conquer it for uh, for Holy Mother Church. It reminds me a little bit of a story in the Bible in Acts chapter 19. There was a riot in the city of Ephesus. Yeah. And, you know, Paul's preaching, and it obviously Satan responds to that. It whips up the fervor among the people, and they're running around through the city screaming, great is Diana, great is Diana. And by the time the day is over with, it says in that passage, most of the people had no idea why they were there yeah they couldn't make sense of what they were who was fighting about what 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 do you what do we? they knew not why they were even there yeah they're just whipped up by the spirit right and finally the city towns people get together and say hey knock it off and go back home and they all (laughs) went back home right but that type of uh spiritual fervor magnify that you can read that story in Acts chapter 19 that was just one day mm-hmm. extrapolate that over 200 years of time of that nationalistic religious fervor of inciting mobs to riot to go over to Palestine to conquer the Holy Land for the church. And you get a little bit of perspective of what's going on at that time. So, again, the first crusade, basically about 600,000 men through Europe leave home and family. Uh, 300,000 of them died before they got to Constantinople. They get to Constantinople to marshal together. They, that group goes down to, starts moving, making its way down to Jerusalem to overthrow the the city and take it away from the muslims uh by the time they get there only 20,000 are left so roughly almost 600,000 men died over the space mm-hmm. of 4 years getting to jerusalem then they finally get to jerusalem and they overthrow the city and murder and massacre the muslims who were controlling the area at that right. particular point in time um and you know the 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 paganism, the superstition, the relics, the visions, the all of that feeds into this just blind hatred and blind fervor that in, ignites this issue that we're still fighting today mm-hmm. because Islam has never forgotten it.
2: Mm.
0: Now, um the Catholic Church mm-hmm. Gained power, Europe gained power yep. over Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It was conquered, right? Um, obviously, at a very high cost. Very high cost.
1: Um, not just in that generation, that cost is being paid to this day. Wow.
0: And and so the occupation was not an incredibly fortified. No. Um, and so even while they, 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 even though they had occupation of the Holy Land, uh, it wasn't it wasn't well substantiated. No. And that kind of leads us into this next phase. So Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can just give us an introduction to what's happening in preparation of this second crusade because uh, they, they don't retain the thing that
1: they desired. Right. So maybe walk us through that. So they did retain control of the Holy Land for a period of time. It was July 15th of 1099 to the exact date in which these Crusaders finally made it into Jerusalem and conducted their savage bloodbath of the Muslims who were living in the area um, and took control of the place they maintained control of that place until about eleven eighty seven so that's eighty eight years mm-hmm. um, that they maintain it takes a while for these things to unfold in that time frame of course in any time frame. But about 1187, a Muslim general by the name of Saladin ends up coming back in with armies and overtaking the Catholics that were there and liberates Jerusalem from control of the Catholics yeah. and puts it back under the control of the Muslims. And you can't
0: really be surprised by this because no. you think about the, the expanse of land that surrounded Jerusalem mm-hmm. was primarily occupied by Muslims. So yeah. there's no resources available to those who are occupying the Holy Land, they're there. It's not like they can go and get timber. No. It's not like they can go and get, purchase weapons or, you know, you know, metal um, and have blacksmiths developing weapons. There wasn't a trade system that was happening. Right. So here you have these guys out on an island. It was only a matter of time right. before someone came in and, and took advantage
1: of their lack. Right. And that's what happened. And uh, they the Muslims overtook it in 1187- obviously that incites the catholic side to start going back after this thing as well and this is part of the crusades that some people many people don't really understand is that they see it pitted as christian versus muslim Uh, in fact president obama even once said When the conflict is between Islam, it was brought up to him. He says, well, you know, Christians have done some pretty bad things in their life as well, in their history as well, referring to the Crusades. Mm -hmm. When what took place has nothing to do with Christianity. It has everything to do with Catholicism, which is not Christianity. And as I mentioned in our last episode, there, there is nothing in our faith that would prompt us to even think of taking somebody else's life because they do not believe what we believe. Uh, We persuade by the power of our words and by the power of the word of God. And if somebody chooses not to believe that, that is their decision, and we accept that, and we acknowledge that, and we respect that decision, though we disagree with that decision, Mm -hmm. and we would never in a million years as a Christian, as a New Testament Bible-believing Christian, you would never in a million years even consider waging war against somebody or a group of people who did not believe what you believe, mm-hmm. okay? Um,
0: so. Yeah, and to that, to that point, I, we didn't mention this in the last episode, mm-hmm. but we've talked about it previously, is the impact of Augustine's City of God yes. on Catholics.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And how men like Urban II and um, you know, other, other famous papal authorities mm-hmm. look to that book, for the rules for waging holy war. Yes. When is it justifiable, when is it not? And then using that as a platform even to like come up with other theoretical positions. And so I mean we can't we we can't undo the influence that that perspective right. has on these men, mm-hmm. which is maybe you can remind us again of of what the impact
1: of city of god like what was that ab-
0: about the, yeah. and what were the what in his mind what were the qualifications for a holy war
1: the basic the- the thesis of that book was that rome replaces jerusalem as the city of god therefore that which was um, which israel was accustomed to, to do and given the right to do by god mm-hmm. in the old testament now transfers to the new testament church uh, headquartered in rome and that they get the right to kill all dissenters. Uh, Taking the things of the Old Testament, the battles that were done there, and even perverting them, because God in the Old Testament, it's very clear when you read it honestly, intended to set up his people in his land as a beacon for the world, to draw the world to a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. If groups within that area did not want to go along with it, they were... Uh, Told the Jews were told by God to drive them out. Not to kill them, but to drive them out. Right. If they persisted further, there were a few places where he said, okay, take them out. Right. Because the iniquity of the Amorites is already full after 400 years. And God knew that they were not going to get right. right. So they take those those concepts and then extrapolate it out to their own church and say, okay, now I have the God-ordained right to kill everybody who dissents. Mm Mm-hmm. From what we believe. So Catholicism does that. Islam does that. They're basically very similar. This is what so many people don't get. Catholicism and Islam are very similar in that they are both religious fervor institutions that legislate their own law and then kill all dissenters. hmm Okay. So they're similar in that regard. Now, they're different in that one is based upon, supposedly, the Bible and Jesus Christ, and the other one's based upon Allah and, and the Koran. But their methods of operation are the same, because they want to take over the world, and they will do it by force if necessary. So you've got those two warring factions against each other, who all Satan has to do is just drop a little... Bomb in between them and sure. get them fight against each yeah. other, and that's basically the seeds of the Crusades. So, Crusade number one takes over Palestine. Uh, Saladin comes in and takes back over Palestine for the Muslims, which instigates Crusade number two. And so,
0: what you're talking about and that description on that perspective mm-hmm. of killing dissenters that that oppose the work, right? Like this is the heart of Christendom is by all means necessary take what belongs to Christ in, quote, in quotes, right. you know, t- let's take that, let's prepare the land for, the, for a true theocracy, let's win the world. If that requires military might, we'll, we'll employ that. Yes. So that, that's a perfect segue into introducing Bernard Clairvaux. Yes. And uh, who obviously takes that in this situation with having just lost the Holy Land, mm-hmm. he takes that to its
1: next natural conclusion. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about Bernard Clairvaux. Yeah. Um, Clairvaux is a city, it was a city in France, and that's, why we, that's where we get the term of clairvoyant from, mm-hmm. uh, because Seems he was fitting. a spiritualistic yeah. mystic who was off in his own world somewhere. This is the guy who actually said that it was okay for Christians to kill pagans mm-hmm. if they were doing it in the name of Christ. Okay. And he has a, a famous quote which basically says um, that, it's that a Christian killing a pagan, Muslim or whatever, is justified and righteous fear no sin in killing the pagan because when, when he does, when he kills the pagan, he does Christ's work. But when he has killed himself, he gains his own goal. Mm. Now, you take that concept and just replace Christian with Muslim and you find jihad today. It right. is the same spirit. Yeah. Okay. So Islam today says that they promise eternal life to uh, their soldiers who give themselves in battle f- to conquer the world for, and they fear no sin in doing so. In fact, they are gained they gain paradise and yeah. all of the thing all the promises. That same mindset was given to the Catholics at that time. You will gain in you will gain paradise. You'll get indulgence for your sin. You'll get to heaven if you give your life in this battle, and he instigated the second crusade under his preaching to do that, uh, mm-hmm. to go back to the to the, um, promised land and take take it back over. So they tried it. It was a miserable failure. Okay. So what did that what did that look like? It's uh, you know um,
0: it was led by a couple different guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did the, how did that unfold? I
1: mean, how did they gather
0: troops? What did it look like for them to
1: gather troops? The same way you stir up the mo- mobs and the riots uh, and the masses of the people, and they end up walking to Palestine to try to take it over. Most of them with no idea what they're doing, um, just like Acts chapter nineteen. What are we here for? Why are we rioting? Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What are you what, what are you here for? I don't know. Cause I was here because you're here. When we're talking about numbers, though, uh, I mean, compared to the
0: first crusade. Yeah, it wasn't quite as many. So there's, there were 600,000 right. that participated in the first crusade. Right. As we go through these other crusades, we're going to notice that the numbers are diminishing yeah. quite greatly. Right. Um, I think it's, it's probably dif- more difficult for people to get on board with, with some of these thoughts, like people are
1: slowly becoming. Yeah, the more you do this, the more people are gonna, eventually going to go, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's not working. So what happened was, for the second crusade specifically, the Muslims had come in and said, we're going to take this back over. Mm -hmm. And they had cut off the northern route and taken Damascus. And that incited that second riot to come in and try to take that over. And it failed miserably as well. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, the third crusade is the one that that was the response to saladin overtaking the uh, the promised land okay so let's
0: let's talk about the third crusade this okay. is the one that i grew up with the third crusade mm-hmm. because of robin hood yes. is of this era like yes. the the myth of robin hood mm-hmm. comes from this Stealing time frame. from
1: the rich to give to the yeah, poor and, and richard the lionheart and all richard that business. the chickenhearted yeah <laughs>
0: yes so now we're sort of the third crusade mm-hmm. the second crusade was a failure they right. they didn't they didn't even get close to their
1: objectives no did not even get back to the holy now the the church is still controlling the holy land at this time the second crusade was trying to take to retake Damascus and that's what was failing okay
0: so explain to us the third crusade and what happens with because saladin this is this is the point in which saladin saladin is actually victorious yes and actually recaptures the holy land yes okay so, to yeah. walk us through this.
1: And so, Richard the Lionhearted comes in and he, he leads the, the group. This is uh, one of the ones that, you, again, people study in history enough to find a little bit of information on. Uh, they are, for a couple of three years or so, trying to come in with the same mindset as the First Crusade, the same strategy, just gather people together. The, um, the moral purity of our cause guarantees us victory. Mm-hmm. In their mind, mm-hmm. okay? Um, they get their miserable conditions. Again, people are starving to death, um, horses dying. It's just a horrible, horrible situation. They try to overtake uh, Jerusalem, and they're unsuccessful in doing so. One of the accounts tells us that even though they were carrying the true cross of Christ, they were unsuccessful in overthrowing uh, Saladin and the and the Muslims who were in the area <sighs> they're carrying the true cross of Christ mm. a thousand eleven hundred 1100 years, eleven hundred and fifty years after he crucif- after he was crucified. How fast does untreated wood rot? You still have the actual actual cross eleven hundred fifty years later, on top of the fact that there's enough pieces of the cross out there to actually build an entire town. sure. What happened to the pieces of the cross? So you're is saying that got the full cross. they believe
0: that they actually had the original? Yeah, that they actually had the
1: original cross from Calvary. This is the backdrop of the insane pers- um, um, superstition that drove these people to do what they were doing. And do they, and they not remember?
0: The- do they not remember the story of the Ark of the Covenant going no. into battle after? No. No, it, it in first samuel that like had no power no. even even the ark had no power with no faith and right. it's just it's like even even in their heretical thinking mm-hmm. you'd think that they'd be biblically literate enough to know that just carrying the cross of christ even if it was the cross even if what they actually had was the actual cross from yeah. calvary right
1: that, that no object ha- holds any power whatsoever it's no. just no not so ever. so Again, people look at these things, they try to make sense out of it, mm-hmm. and they can't make sense out of it, but the fact that you can't make sense out of it makes perfect sense when you understand who's behind it. Yeah. So the concept of Christian versus Muslim, or our, our side is right and your side is wrong, both sides are wrong, both sides are driven by the spirit of Satan, that's why it doesn't make any sense, that's why they're killing each other. Yeah. Who's the angel of death behind this? They're killing each other off because the master spirit behind them wants that to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so how do they do? I mean, does Rich,
0: how does Richard the Lionheart do? He, he,
1: he, he's not successful in actually militarily overcoming Palestine, but he is able to negotiate a peace treaty with Saladin. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about it is if you look at the Crusades, generally speaking, at the time that they were happening— for the most part the muslims were a whole lot more gracious and and compassionate and and um sensible than the catholics were Mm. okay the catholics came into jerusalem in 1099 and just butchered everybody on top of the just it was disgusting what they did the muslims would come in and say okay you want pilgrimages yeah okay fine we'll, we'll agree to that yeah and they were actually letting and you know? they were
0: actually letting troops captures free c- captors free once yeah. the treaty
1: was signed like there was some sort of diplomacy that they were willing to yeah. employ and, and by and large the Muslim side of this equation at the time that it was taking place in that generation not necessarily today but in that generation they were more compassionate and kind than the Catholics were. Mm. So anyway, they ne- negotiated that peace treaty with Richard the Lionhearted to allow the pilgrimages again. Okay. But that's so not can, enough. Yeah. yeah. Not enough Just for give the Catholic Church. a little bit Church. more time and they're going to get restless with that. Yeah. Because yeah. the Catholic Church wants that piece of land to dominate that piece of land so that the Pope can ascend upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north and sit upon that throne and pro- proclaim himself to be God. Yeah. Because r- r- uh, Rome is Jerusalem and Jerusalem is Rome. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So, okay, that leads us to the Fourth Crusade. Yeah. So what's the objective of the initiative of the Fourth Crusade? Well, the treaty has allowed
1: the pilgrimages, but Mm -hmm. that's not enough. Yeah. So the Fourth Crusade gets launched a few years later, maybe 10 years after this particular incident where Richard the Lionhearted negotiated the treaty to allow pilgrimages to go again. And they never even made it to Jerusalem. Yeah. So just, you know, here comes another whip up the 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 fervor of the people, get them to go to war. Um, and behind that, the spirit master is saying, well, get these people whipped up into a fervor and make them go off to war and they'll die along the way and get killed. That, that's that's good business for me because I want to get those people in hell before they can get the truth. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what's going on behind the scenes by mm-hmm. the spirit master at the time. They made it to Constantinople, a small group of people. I can't remember the number, but it's not. 300,000. But this group made it to Constantinople and they said that's far enough to go. And they made an absolute disaster and mess out of Constantinople. Yeah. They, so they basically just take whatever they want. Yeah. They're,
0: you know, we, we've come this far. Mm-hmm. We're not, we've decided we're not going to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. So let's just ransack Constantinople, which doesn't do anything between the relationship between obviously there was already tension tensions between Constantinople and Rome that have existed for centuries.
1: Yes, but, but effectively Constantinople is way more Catholic than it is Muslim at mm-hmm. that time. So you got Catholic versus Catholic. Again, right. don't try to make sense out of it. It'll make you hit hurt. Yeah, people were just be- taking what they thought was due to them. Steal whatever they can steal. Yeah. Claiming more relics. So then we get
0: to the Fifth Crusade, which yeah is to me uh the weirdest mm-hmm. is the weirdest crusade yes uh of all of them and so if you if you couldn't make sense of what has happened up to this point like if you can't use logic to understand right. where we've come then this will be even more baffling yeah so maybe tell us about the fifth crusade in, in my
1: opinion and I'm entitled, still entitled to my opinions, of course. at least at this point. We've invited may, you on the show. To tomorrow the I may not be them. entitled to my opinions, but right now <laughs> I am.
0: <laughs> okay. Hey, we want to stop here just for a second and introduce you to one of our Living Faith Bible Institute students.
3: My name is Victoria McLeer, and I am a student at Living Faith Bible Institute. I have been a Christian for over 30 years. I am a wife and a mother of three adult children, and I have three Grandchildren, LFBI is the tool that God is using to teach and strengthen me in my walk with him. As usual, his timing is perfect as we are currently going through uncertain and troubling times. The more I study scripture and the truth of it, the better able I am to decipher the lies that the world throws at us and that ministers to me. I needed it. I know the world around me needs it. And I have been blessed with opportunities to minister to others from what I have learned in class. And that is an answer to prayer for me to be useful to the Lord.
0: Visit lfbi.org to learn more about Living Faith Bible Institute.
1: In my opinion, this is the most disgusting, filthy, depraved, horrible event in the history of the human race Mm. called the Children's Crusades, right? where the thought process was, well, okay, we've had all these adult men going over here who were righteous because they were Catholic and the righteousness of their cause would certainly in carrying the cross and having all of our relics and our lance of Longinus and our visions of angels, yeah. certainly all of that would give us victory, mm-hmm. and it didn't. Right. Well, maybe if innocent children did this. Yeah, because it was a faith issue. Yeah. Right. Again, they're, they're
0: saying, okay, hey, th- maybe it's because these grown men didn't have the faith necessary, mm-hmm. but in the hearts of babes. Yes.
1: Right? Now we got children. Right. And their purity and their innocence and their, uh, it, on top of all of the righteousness of our cause, which is not, certainly that would give us victory. Mm-hmm. So a shepherd boy by the name of Stephen, who lived in France, age 12, supposedly had a vision that said okay if we rally a bunch of children together and march to the promised land certainly we would be able to uh overtake that because of the purity of our cause and the pure not not just the purity of our cause but the uh the purity of our lives because mm-hmm. we're just children mm-hmm. okay so he marshaled together um and he and of course a bunch of the other adults behind us running at the popes and all the other guys marshaled a group of, of thirty thousand children across europe To march to the promised land, children, eight, 10, 12 years old. Okay. You have children. I have children, grandchildren. I cannot, I cannot. Yeah, just letting them
0: go. Did you say how many? Did you say how many that they gathered? 30,000. So that's that's at least that many um, parents Mm -hmm. who had to agree. Willing to allow yeah.
1: their children, and it to reminds me just to how, to de- to how
0: desperate people are in the feudal system, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, might makes right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Catholic leaders, the elite, that five percent, that one percent, if you will, mm-hmm. of the of the you know elite class mm-hmm. is saying to this lower, exceptionally lower income demographic, mm-hmm. um, you will do what we say. If you want X Y Z, right? And these, you know, uneducated people who do who don't have access to the Word of God. We can't right. forget the fact that, that it's only the Absolutely. Word of God is only in Latin for the priests, is for the priest class. The
1: entrance of thy words giveth light, and they're not allowed to be entered into it's, their life, so they don't have any lights. Hence, the Dark Ages, right? Yes. And so you've got
0: these people who are incredibly desperate, um, and they they're they're they've decided. Participate in this egregious activity, and they're completely blind yeah. to their own,
1: you know, lack of real faith, right? And their superstition of our innocent children will will gain this holy land um, because of the innocency of their of their lives and the the righteousness of our cause. Mm. And so, again, I cannot wrap my head around allowing children to do this to just children are a blessing, the, the, just they're, the, they're the most incredible blessing of life, and to instigate them and incite them to do something like this, just, I, I can't express it in words how incredibly horrible, disgusting depraved and filthy yeah. this could possibly be so 30,000 children marshaled together to march to the holy land here's what happened they they were in europe they marched through france and they got to a town called marseille france which is on the french riviera and if you kind of put the picture in your head of that area they were on the on the banks of the Mediterranean Sea, and they were told and believed that when they got there that the Mediterranean would part like the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. All this pagan superstition, borrowing the stories from the Bible of people who don't read the Bible, mm-hmm. that the Mediterranean would part, and they would walk across the Mediterranean to the Promised Land, and as soon as they got there, the Muslims in would would just surrender just like the egyptians they would would fall they would just fall just like jericho did they would fall and they would surrender because of the innocence of the children okay the red sea crossing was 20 miles in a day and they had two million people doing it in a day you can walk 20 miles if you need the average person walks around four miles per hour right so in five hours time you could get across that particular time that 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 Expanse, Red sea. you can yeah. see the concept of the Red Sea opening and parting and Moses taking them through. You can wrap your head around it, taking a day, maybe two or three or at the most, mm-hmm. for, to get two million people across that. It can happen. Mm-hmm. From Marseille, France to Jerusalem is 1,800 miles. At the same rate that you go through the Red Sea, it's going to take you 90 days to get there how many 7-Elevens and Pizza Huts and McDonald's are on the floor of the Mediterranean as they walk across to provide the supplies for them to walk 90 days across. the Me- Of course, they get there to Marseille, France, and they're like, how come they're waiting for the waters to part? And they never did. Really? Well, who couldn't figure that out, Einstein? Mm. Pirates were in the area on ships, had noticed what was going on, and convinced the children, oh, well, okay, the the sea isn't going to bark for you, but if you'll get on our boats, we'll take you over there. Yeah, They got on the boats. Two of those boats wrecked on one of the islands, and a bunch of the children died. The rest of the boats were taken to North Africa. The children were sold into slavery and never saw home again. I cannot, in all of my mind, wrap my head around somebody allowing that to happen and then glorifying it as some sort of act of God is what the Pope did at that time put up a wreath and put, or put up a monument to those children who sacrificed their lives for, for the cause of Holy Mother Church. But that was only the first phase of Crusade Number 5, the Children's Crusade. Mm-hmm. There, was a, there was round two of it a few years later. Another shepherd boy um, from Germany had a similar vision. He was 10 years old, mm. gathered another 20,000 people, children together, for round two, 5B of Crusade, right. made it to Genoa, Italy, which is still on the Mediterranean, but if you look at the map, you've got Italy comes, the, the boot comes down like this, yeah. Marseille, France is right over here on this side of it, and Genoa, Italy is right over on the other side okay. of the top of the boot of Italy, so okay. you know, just Italy between them. Right. It's still… It's not 1,800 miles, it's maybe 1,700 miles, mm-hmm. 1,600 miles. It's, a, it's, a, it's also a large expanse. They, they did the same thing. You know what the definition of insanity is, <laughs> okay? Doing the same yeah. thing, over-expecting, getting right. a result. They get to Genoa, Italy, expecting the Mediterranean to open. Guess what? Didn't happen again, okay? Mm-hmm. So this group of children appealed to the Pope at this time. The Pope at that time was Pope Innocent the Third, which is the biggest moron, uh, biggest oxymoron in history pope innocent he's one of the worst <sighs> yeah, yeah. In, the, in the in the list he's on the short list he's on the short list they appealed to him to be uh, allowed to maybe we didn't maybe this isn't right and we should be allowed to um, get out of our vow and he said no you can't and most of those children died were never and and went off to wherever and never made it back home again again 50,000 children over the space of a couple of years throughout Europe, dead, sold into slavery, never saw home again, and the Catholic Church glorified it, supported it, refused to allow it to stop. Mm -hmm. I cannot in all of my fiber of my being bring forth how incredibly disgusting and horrible that would be. And yet it happened. Yeah. And I think sometimes people, you know, I think
0: sometimes people um, think that we as um, traditional Bible believers of a Baptist lineage, um, we, why we are so um, st- staunch or or. Get worked up by the di, di, by distinguishing between the Catholic faith system mm-hmm. and the way that we believe, right because most yeah. of the world just wants to lump us all together, Protestants, Catholics, you know it's just different you know different takes on Christianity, mm-hmm. only slight variations. Right. Uh, for us, we take it pretty serious for reasons like not that not that people who are Baptists uh, somehow are excluded from sinning and messing okay, up. Exactly. But we've got our fair share of you know, foul ups. Uh-huh. But, it's, but those foul ups um, within our doctrinal sy- system are exactly that, foul ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, like sin is sin. People sure. sin, people go against the Bible all the time. But when you have a, a faith system that makes sin holy, mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we want to make such a clear distinguishment between what we believe yes. and what the Catholic Church historically in particular ha- has believed and even today holds mm-hmm. to. Because yeah. these things are as egregious as we're making them sound. And if we're honest with ourselves, it wasn't that long ago. Right. And, and those dogmatisms still exist. It's, and it's not even necessarily just an extreme Catholicism. Uh, some of these exist and permeate even just the cultural Catholicism, these, mm-hmm. these ideas. And so I, I, you know, I've just felt like at this point in the conversation, and with all these church history conversations, we often find ourselves speaking very, you know, uh, maybe extravagantly about mm-hmm. the problems that we see with Catholic thinking. And I yeah. think it's a good reminder just to say, like, they believe something that has supported 50,000 children walking off into nowhere and they yeah. say it in the name of god yes that's problematic for us like we have we have a problem with that. i have a problem with that
1: <laughs> i have a serious problem with that and just to be to be clear and i know that this has made it into our other episodes before i was raised catholic mm-hmm. i have tons and tons of catholic friends and family still Um, I'm intimately familiar with the church from the inside because I didn't get saved until I was 25. Mm -hmm. I lived in it for all of that Mm -hmm. period of time. I've seen it from the inside. Now I've seen it from the outside, from a perspective from the word of God as well. And it's not the people within the Catholic church that that is the problem. Most of the people within the Catholic church are just the finest people on on God's green earth. They're Mm -hmm. wonderful, decent, moral, God-fearing people. They just are not aware of the institution that is behind it and what that the upper echelon elite of that institution represents and has done uh for all of the all of human history and still doing today mm-hmm. these principles and these issues you'd say well that was the crusades that happened a thousand years ago that same concept and mindset is still very much a part of the institution of the catholic church right and it's the the allegiance to that institution that keeps the people in bondage not any just that it's not an issue of their character no it's not an issue of their character or anything like that so when i when i take this position a it's not an uneducated position right b it's not intended to be a position against catholic people because they're the finest people on earth i just wish they would be able to see what their religion is doing to them Mm -hmm.
0: yeah absolutely and so I, I think that's a really important note. And yes. but with that, let's maybe let's go into the sixth crusade. Okay, let's talk about the sixth cru- crusade and the seventh crusade. Mm-hmm. They really just
1: it it just get, it just gets sadder and sadder. It, doesn't yeah, it? it just degenerates as time right. goes okay, on. Okay, so
0: maybe to walk us through those. What are, what were the objectives, initiatives, and how they were? Wor- <clears throat> after they the out? children's
1: crusade and that miserable failure that took place there? It's like people are finally starting to look at it and go, you know what? Uh, maybe this isn't really the right thing to do. But we but we we're told to do it, so let's do it anyway. And mm-hmm. uh, so, Cre- Crusade number six was um, uh, about 1229. It lasted. Uh, they the uh, another guy gets over there. Uh, Frederick of Germany gets over to, to Palestine. Leads a group of people did similar type of thing to what Richard the Lionhearted did, and they negotiated a peace treaty with the Muslims. Again, they were way more gracious than the Catholics were during this time. Mm-hmm. And. They had control of the land since 638. It was their land at that point in time. Right. Okay. Um, And the Catholics were the ones that that initiated this nonsense with their pilgrimage and stealing everything. And they Mm -hmm. initiated all these crusades. And this particular one, number six, they were able to get over there and negotiate another peace plan, uh, which allowed free travel for Catholics to come over there. That lasted for about 15 years until it got out of hand again. And they shut it down again. And then number seven comes along a few years after that. It was abject, miserable failure. And by that time, Catholics finally got it and said, you know, maybe we ought to do something different.
2: Yeah.
0: And then obviously, I mean, we talked about how complex this topic is because there's Mm -hmm. other some scholars want to lump other crusades in. Yes. Um, and we often hear the relationship between the crusades and the inquisitions, yes. which I think we've determined today that we're going to do an episode on at some point is the right. Inquis- inquisitions. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then the pilgrimages and all these things that ha- take place. It, it is a complex topic, but what so. we've presented yeah. is a very traditional view yeah. of the crusades, seven crusades, and how they unfolded. Now, what conclusions as a whole should we draw from this time period, uh, as well as from the Crusades themselves, what should we as Bible-believing Christians? What should we conclude about what we've learned? And and the question for me, because you often bring up the chess match, yes, yeah. okay, uh, between God, mm-hmm. between Satan. Mm-hmm. Where is God in all of this? Well, all of this we've been talking a lot about the working of the enemy. Where right. is God in all of this and in this time period?
2: Okay,
1: To kind of give a bigger perspective of this, you've got the Old Testament nation of Israel who was a, who was supposed to be established in that land and to set up a kingdom with their with the laws of God to draw the world to a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. They failed in that mission. In the Old Testament, except for periods of time like under David and Solomon, where the kingdom was established and people would come and say, hey, man, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. We want this for our people as well. And they would take the laws of God and the sacrifices back to their home. The visit of the Queen of Sheba in First Kings chapter 10 is a classic story that relates that kind of concept. That's what God intended the nation of Israel to do in the Old Testament under their laws. Well, they didn't really do it very well mm-hmm. except for those brief periods of time. And they ended up being taken off into captivity. Uh, and God took them into captivity to, for a number of reasons. Uh, then they were restored back to their land. And that's what he wanted. When Jesus showed up, the Israelites were back in their land, and he intended to call them to himself to begin with that group of people to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and get them to respond back to God so that they could establish that to draw the world to, to, right. to God. Right. Right. Away with him! Crucify him! We have no king but Caesar. His blood be upon us and upon our children. Mm-hmm. And God said, "Enough is enough." He pulled a papa on him. That's mm-hmm. all I can stand, and yeah. I can't stand no more. <laughs> <laughs> and because of the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he took them off into captivity again. Seventy A.D. and the Roman Emperor Titus come in and wiped out the place. Okay. And this time that captivity wasn't just a few years, it's now been 2,000 years period of time.
0: Yeah, it's a spiritual
1: captivity as well. Exactly. The, the, what we refer to as the pa- parenthetical age of the Gentile church. Called the church, right. where God then turns his attention to take the gospel to the Gentile church to draw people to relationship through to himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He mm-hmm. wanted to involve his people, the nation of Israel in that, but they said no. Said, okay, fine, I'll take it to the Gentile church. So during this period of time called the Gentile church, the land of Israel is still there. That's still God's place. That's still the place where he's going to establish his people. It's still the place where Jesus is going to reign from Mm -hmm. um, Jerusalem. But as far as a kingdom of people and a physical plant of a nation that's off the map for 2,000 years right. called the church age while well, God's calling out the, the church during this age. Well, at some point in time, he's going to reestablish that. Yeah, And he did that in 1948. That's when it began with the planting of the nation of Israel. But now you have whoever controls that land is really not the issue until Jesus comes. But what happened was, to give the big perspective on this, 638 AD, Muslim Islam comes in and conquers Palestine, specifically Jerusalem. Yeah. And now they've been there since that point in time. The Crusades are instigated by Satan to get people killed off before they can get them the truth, and it just stirs up all that hatred and animosity between the groups. It's a dust storm that hasn't cleared. Exactly. Yeah. And except for that br- those brief periods of time in which the Catholic Church controlled Palestine, the Muslims have controlled it from 638 till 1948. Mm -hmm. Now, you put yourself in that position for a minute. We know from an even bigger perspective that God gave that land to the nation of of Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Mm -hmm. and, and the 12 tribes and the kingdom that he had established at that point in time, and he's going to ultimately give that land to the nation of Israel when Jesus comes back and reigns over them. But now the palace, the, the Muslims have controlled that since 638. We're talking 1,400 years. hmm So, you own a house? Yeah. Okay. At some point in time, you'll pay that house off, and it'll be yours, mm-hmm. except for your eminent domain or the government sure. taxes, whatever, but it's sure. your property, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in Shawnee, Kansas, which is a, a suburb of Kansas City that is named after the Shawnee Indian tribe. I own my house. If a native, if a descendant of a native Shawnee Indian showed up at my house and said, oh, by the way, this is my land now, this was my land because my ancestors owned it right. 200, 300 years ago, mm-hmm. I would say to him, no, I'm sorry, I have title deed on this. I bought this piece of property. And he'd right. say, no, I got it. No, it's mine from way back before. We might have a bit of a conflict, mm-hmm. Okay. That's only 30 years. You take that and multiply that into 1,400 years that the, pa- the, the Muslims have been in that area and have controlled that land, and all of a sudden, June uh, um, May 14th, 1948, the nation of Israel comes along and plants a flag and says, oh, this is our property. They're going, yeah. whoa, 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 time out. We've been here 14 centuries. Yeah, they feel robbed. Yeah. Now, you tell me how that problem is going to get solved. That is an unsolvable problem. We've been trying since 1948 to solve it. Now, God has a solution for it, and that solution for it is there's plenty of room within the boundaries of the nation of Israel for uh, anybody to live because the boundaries of the nation of Israel, according to the Old Testament, are from the Mediterranean to the Euphrates. Mm -hmm. That's a big area. Right. Okay? And within that is plenty of room for Esau and, and Ishmael and his descendants to live if they submit to the laws of the nation of Israel and the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming very soon, okay? But you can't solve that problem right now. No. It is totally unsolvable. We've been trying for generations, the, the smartest and, and wisest and most passionate people in our governments and in our world have been trying to solve this problem for, for generations, mm-hmm. and it's unsolvable until Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. That's one of the lessons you want to draw from this. One of the other lessons you want to draw from this is to understand that relationship between religion, politics, and military. When the religion captures the thought process of an entire group of people and they start passing laws that say you can't disagree with this religious thought, mm-hmm. whatever that religious thought is, maybe that religious thought might be humanism, it might be the current PC, movement that is happening in our country at this particular point in time um and when that happens and they start passing laws that tell you that you can't disagree with this particular uh thought process then it's only a matter of time before before the bullets start flying right okay yeah you see it played out through the crusades that are still going on today and will not be solved until jesus comes back so bottom line even so Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. No, that's good. And that's a, and that's a great way
0: to end this episode um, and this series on, on the Crusades. Uh, tough stuff. It is. And uh, many, many books on it. Lots of people disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, um, when we have the Word of God, mm-hmm. We do, like you said at the beginning of the episode, we have the ability to simplify things and right. see them in His terms, and and um, see at least from what we need to know. Right,
1: right. <laughs> you know, we're never going to solve the problem, and we're never going to figure it out. Right. But I do know the one who will figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. So, Greg, as always,
0: man, thank you so much yep. for being with us. Oh, praise the Lord! I enjoy it. And uh, we wanna thank you as well for uh, joining us for this conversation. I mean, I, I'm when I'm sitting here with Greg, I'm like enthralled and like listening to everything. I, and I hope you're getting the same thing. I hope you're really enjoying it at that level and listening closely. There's so much to learn. And if you recognize this is an area that you wanna learn more about, we wanna highly recommend the church history course that LFBI offers. And so if you visit lfbi.org, you can see church history along with the entire program of study. You can learn more about who we are and what we do. Our goal, again, is you know our primary objective is to train up leaders, missionaries, pastors for the next generation uh, to to see the whole world saved. That's the goal. Yes. And we could be you know that's maybe that's foolish. Maybe that sounds foolish to you. Well, you know we're fools. Yes. Count as fools. Um, but uh, and that's that is that is a that's the real crusade. I guess is what I want to get at, is the real crusade is to invite people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And and we want to equip you to do that work in this world. We also want to invite you to, I didn't hold the book up high enough in the last episode so that we could see it. So I'm going to, I'm going to put it up like this. This is Church History uh, by Greg Axe. And uh, if you don't own this book, we want to recommend that you visit Amazon, uh, that you purchase this book. Uh, it's got content on what we talked about today and so much more so much more and so uh, please check this out it's available on amazon Uh, but with all that said we love you and uh, we're grateful for any time that we get to spend with you if you like this episode or other episodes please share them uh, with your friends and family members and uh, we'll see you again next week Uh, god bless thanks for listening to the postscript if you enjoy the show Please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute
2: at lfbi.org support.